Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hi, welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith and I'm here with Tina Spring. And today we're going to talk about a topic that's near and dear to many people's hearts, which is I have a barking dog. And in fact, as Tina and I were preparing for this very podcast, her dog barked, (laughs) my dog heard it, and she started barking. So it's a problem that exists not just in the general public, but we trainers need to deal with with, uh, issues with our own dogs as well. So that was pretty funny. It was kind of a right on target, um, so to speak. So I had, it kind of got sparked by a client I was talking to this week who said, I have this 11-month-old dachshund, and this dachshund um, just barks at everything. It could be, you know, an imaginary leaf falls in the yard. My neighbor wakes up. Uh, Whatever it is, the dog seems to find this necessity for barking, whether, you know, anybody else can perceive it or not. It doesn't matter. We're we're talking all the time. She said, and my neighbors are beginning to resent it. So, because she likes to spend a lot of time on her porch, her screened-in porch, and, you know, the, the random leaf falling and the, you know, the, the person who may or may not, you know, exist causing the dog to bark is causing some problems. So, Tina, what would you tell somebody whose dog is sort of hypervigilant to sounds and noises, well, sounds are noises, aren't they? Um, movement, whatever, seems to always need to necessitate telling you about everything that's going on in the environment. So I have like a whole, like you gave a whole bunch of really great information to what might be going on, right? Because I think dogs bark for all different reasons, yep. right? We we could be barking because they're we're actually afraid, right? We're you're trying to answer all of the emails, even even the ones that are spam. So sometimes I think dogs are just overwhelmed. And mm-hmm. so they alarm bark. They're siren barking. They're letting you know, like, ah, there's there be dragons in the woods. Um, I absolutely do think adolescent dogs <clears throat> yes. do a lot of negative attention-seeking barking, right? Mm-hmm. Um and then I also think, and you know, not everybody's going to love this, but breed matters, right? Hounds, mm-hmm. their job is to alert you. It's your job to take care of the problem. So I think that enters into it too, right? Um, I would agree. I would agree. I, I think about, um, you know, like like beagles. I, I love beagles. I love beagles in class. I love other people's beagles. Um, but the, you know, because I see something, um, is not something that I personally want to live with on a daily basis, but that's part of being a beagle. Well, so it is, but it isn't. I mean, I think especially maybe I'm sensitive to it because my parents have been breeding and showing dogs for basically, you know, 40 years, but, but I don't actually, I think that breed tendencies inform stuff, but I also think people use it as an excuse too, right? That's like true. That, That's true. that they, Oh, it's a beagle. So it pulls on leash. Well, I'm sorry, but I've actually owned a beagle who walked politely on a leash. It might be a little bit more difficult to teach, but well worth the effort. Right. So, right. um, there are all sorts of things that humans do naturally that we 
put under stimulus control. And I think the same can be true for dogs. I think teaching dogs discernment that there's a time to do this and there's a time that that's not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think Colleen said it to me once and it was like one of my favorite, maybe it wasn't her. It doesn't, it sounds naughty, but, but the, someone said to me, I, I think it was Colleen that like everyone has a list of like, you're not allowed to poop on the dining room table. That's kind of the human condition, no pooping, no eliminating on the dining room table. So if we can draw a line about that, a natural behavior, pooping, something a dog must do, if we could put that under stimulus control, certainly we can say when you are in the backyard, there should actually be a good reason to bark. There are other things that we do in the backyard and just teach the dog that. It's just one of those things that I think sometimes we go, oh, but it's the breed. And so that's a kind of a cop out. Like we don't have to actually work on it. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean to say that it's not harder if you have a breed oh, that's I would agree. more inclined yes. in that direction, like you know, yes. hounds. That's what hounds kind of do. And so that's going to be a little bit more difficult. Terriers are also more on alert, I think. And uh, so I think some so, of these things So can... my terriers have all been quiet, right? Mm. Like my terriers, if they were barking, there was a reason to be barking. So... Um, and I believe me, like the cobbler's kids have no shoes. I mean, you just heard my dog a negative attention barking, going, "Hey, you're you're on the phone without me. How dare you in the hallway?" And it, we passed it to where are you, Ohio, right? So, um, my dogs don't. My dogs get the leftovers of my time and energy. You that's, know, I, I, that's what I tell people too. That 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 my clients' dogs are exceptionally well behaved. My dogs, yeah. good enough. You right, know, like we, we reside in we reside in I the don't area really, of good I don't enough. Get, I don't get to do recreational dog training. So, um, but one of my favorite, I was telling this story on Saturday to some people who have hounds, and and so I said one of the favorite calls I ever got was I think I had a client who was due to deliver, so my phone was next to me in bed where typically it isn't, and I got a call at like three or three thirty in the morning. Where as I was answering, you could hear the hound barking. Um, and and like over, I'm like, hello? Right, but I kind of sort of know who it is. It's Buckets. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. Buckets, the blue tick coon hound. That's who that is. Um, and so the, the owner, the mom, is all frustrated and is like, he won't stop barking. I've been yelling at him for an hour. And I'm like, okay, well, so you're both barking. Okay. And so I said, go grab a flashlight and head out onto the back porch. And I said, what? And she's like arguing with me. I'm like, grab a flashlight, go out on the back porch, sh- find the tree that he's barking at, point it at the bark, at the trunk of the tree, slowly work your way up the tree until you find whatever it is he's barking at. And so she finally, so she's like complaining, but go out, you know, it's going up the tree. And all of a sudden she goes, oh, I said, is it a possum or a raccoon? She goes, it's a possum. I said, okay, turn to Buck and say, thanks, bud. I got it. And she's like, ah, and I'm like, just tell Buck, you got it. Like, yes, I see the the possum. Good dog. And she finally did. And Buck just went, okay, good. And went in the house and went to sleep, bleary eyed, because he'd been barking for an hour. So (laughs) I think sometimes from our sweet dog's perspective, they are doing their job. I am alerting you to a situation right. and we're like, shut up, stop telling me. And it's like, okay, well, if the 
so this happened to our family. We were at my grandmother's and we had Doberman pinchers and they're all barking in the middle of the night. My mother in a stage whispers shouting to them to stop barking. And she finally got up after a while and the church behind my grandmother's house was on fire. Oh my. So good that the dogs yeah. were persistent. I think sometimes I get families who are angry that the dog is doing the dog's job. Now, does nuisance barking exist? Oh, you betcha. And that's a totally different deal. Right. And I think that that's what my client was talking about. And she doesn't mind if her dogs alert her. Like if somebody's at the door and they bark or there's, you know, there is a deer or a raccoon or something in the backyard. That Those are not the things she objects to. What she objects to is the fact that she's sitting out there having a cup of coffee and a leaf falls and the dog loses it. So right. th- that is... Um, that's really the issue, and I think that's what most people and, – and I always find, too, if when I point out somebody, well, maybe, like you said, like with Buck, if there's something really going on, that's a real learning experience for a lot of owners. They, then they feel quite chagrin that they have now done this. They've I'm now you know been really annoyed with my dog when, when actually there was a reason for it. I find that sometimes opens a lot of doors for um, some new realizations, like – Maybe I need to investigate and let's start to figure out what the real barking is and what the nuisance barking is. Right. And sometimes that is a fuzzy line, right? I have, I have two dogs from Turks and Caicos. Um, For them, things that the average U.S. dog would view as really benign and normal in the environment is a 911 for them. It is a sliding scale. Right. Um, So... Uh, you know, I think there is a little bit of having to be fair from that perspective as well, that um, that what what I might perceive as nuisance barking might actually be that the dog is concerned, struggling with stimuli um, and that it it needs to go on my list of stuff to help them with and, and help them navigate. Right. So if your question is about nuisance barking, which it sounds like it is, I have a couple of thoughts. Um, so one, has your client taught the dog what being in the backyard is for, right? Like if there's not been any enrichment in the backyard, if they're, if the dog is just, we're expecting the dog, an 11 month old dachshund, like, oh, for goodness sakes, like it's a tiny little German in the backyard, right? (laughs) They need something to do. Right. So if, if we've already gone, well, you're not allowed to eat all the acorns and you're not allowed to dig holes. I'm thinking of all the dachshund things and you're not allowed to bark. Well, then what the hell's left? Right. Like I'm a dachshund. So I might start doing some enrichment and that can be as complicated or as simple as a family might want it to be. So it could be taking the dog's breakfast and broadcasting it like they're feeding the chickens, sending the doxy out to hunt up his breakfast while she's drinking her coffee mm-hmm. in the morning, right? Just give the dog something else to do. If, if the idea of your dog eating off dirt is horrifying to you, then potentially something like a Kong wobbler. Right. Right. Um, or maybe you engage the dog in a game of fetch, right? The average dachshund would mm-hmm. like to run 18 miles a day playing fetch. So maybe we preempt the barking, with, hey, we're going to do this other thing that's way more fun and rewarding. Hide mm-hmm. and go seek, right? That's a great one 
Um, so maybe I hide your Kongs. Your Kong is your breakfast is split into six Kongs that are frozen and hidden in the backyard and you have to go find them. Um, or even kind of the, the special toy thing, like the, the toy that the dog doesn't get all the time. So maybe he enjoys a nice bully stick in the morning while you're caffeinating. Um, but I would also my say my dog could be so fat because I have to caffeinate for a very long time. <laughs> I I find the older I get, the more I require caffeination. Um, so so you'll laugh. That does bring up a thing, right? Like if your dog is in good weight, then adjusting to do all these things is really easy. Right. Um, if your dog is obese, well, then we're causing a whole different set of issues that are expensive and complicated and uncomfortable. Right. Um. I do an exercise just teaching dogs how to hang out. Um, And so some people would do that with a settle mat. I do it with a leash and might eventually run a mat into it. But, but there is a little bit of teach the dog what you want them to do instead of arguing over squirrel farts. Right. And I will also say like, okay, if you're not enjoying it, if your neighbor's not enjoying it, right. If we've gotten to the point that we're making the neighbors angry, his but would be what I'm not going to do is stay in the backyard, not enjoying my, my coffee, arguing with the dog and making my neighbor mad. Right. And that's one thing I did say to her. I said, you know, if indeed you're finding that it's, um, it's one bark and we settle down, that's, that's one thing, but it's a whole nother thing. If we have one bark and then we have two barks and we have three barks and then we start escalating. And if that's the pattern you see emerging, you need to cut it off after the first bark either redirect to something else or let's go inside and go in our crate or go in the bathroom and close the door or something and so the timeout doesn't have to be for long but it has to happen in order for the dog to learn this if i act this way now you're right though i I do like the point that sometimes it does need to be for an extended period of time because the dog does need some rest you know most people don't understand that the dog needs to sleep about 17 hours a day And the reason behind that is because dogs don't have the same kind of, they do have REM sleep, but they don't have the same kind of sleep cycles that we have where they go into the really deep sleep. So therefore they need more sleep because they don't have the same kind of deep sleep patterns that we have. So yeah, maybe your dog, like your toddler, just really needs a nap before we get, you know, we're, we're, we're so overstimulated and I need to sort of keep myself going. Um, one of the things I did want to mention was we did a podcast called um, The Funnel of Activity. And that relates to something that you were talking about, which is in The Funnel of Activity is, is you take care of everything the dog needs in order to teach him to settle. So you do some aerobic activity. You know, you play fetch, you um, chase a ball, you run around, you have big aerobic activity. Then you do something for mental stimulation, maybe some training, maybe a, a more difficult food toy than just a, you know, a Kong. Um, and then you do some deep tissue massage to get the dog to kind of unwind. And then you give him a nice stuffed Kong to settle down with. So something like that may help as well because it teaches the dog that we get rid of your energy, we take care of your mental stimulation, we give you a chance to get all the kinks out and then we settle down with a Kong and go to sleep. Yeah. But I mean, I, a a big thing I see is adolescent dogs who are like, if I stop moving, I'm going to fall asleep and miss something. So I must bark and run around like a lunatic. 
That's right. They have, it's kind of like they have, what is it, fear, no, FOMO, I, I fear of missing out? I do a lot out. of management. I do. I do a lot of, okay, you're going to be on a leash tied to my chair. We're not barking all morning. Yeah. Right? Like teaching them. So I'm Catholic, right? So I think of it like Stations of the Cross. Yes. <laughs> when I am in. When I am in my office and recording a podcast, this is what the dog should be doing. Like, there's a list. Like, here are the list of activities that are appropriate for the quadruped. Pick from that list or I will pick for you. Um, I will say, to be completely fair, like, I'm 50, almost. I'll be 50 in January. I don't, I don't have four little kids. I don't, we're not, I don't have a corporate job. I don't, like, our we have adult dogs, right? Like there's, um, I think sometimes dog trainers answers are like become a dog trainer. And for the average family, they just wanted to drink their coffee. So while I love all of, and I agree, like, yes, did the dog get aerobic exercise and did they get good nutrition and did they get this? And I'm also like, and stick a thunder shirt on them and Mm -hmm. activate that parasympathetic nervous system. And lazy dog training is still dog training. Right. So um, because I do see dogs that their owners are just entertaining them all day. And I don't know, that's a lot. That's more than the average family with two kids. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I I tell people, I said, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not a particularly great trainer. I'm, I'm somewhat of a lazy trainer. So, so, you know, I'm always trying to find, find the way that how can I do this with the least amount of effort because right, like if I put you on a leash and tie you to my file cabinet with a dog bed and a bony to chew on I have limited your opportunities to go bark out the front of the house and at the same time I am getting other things done and you are learning what to do and people are funny they're like well when do you when do you get rid of the leash in the process I'm like when the dog goes and assumes the position and does the right things and I forget yeah. And then one day I'm like, you know, it's been like six weeks since I put the leash on the dog at the spot. So he must have it figured out. Right. Like, I, I just think there's like, how do you know when to take the training wheels off the bicycle? Well, when the child doesn't bump into him for a while. Yeah. Right. So I, I, a lot of the training that I do is probably starts with management Absolutely. because I don't want to use a whole bunch of punishment. I don't want to be saying no, 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 no all the time. Right. And, and that's one of the things that um, when, I'm, when I'm talking to people, we, and we have a podcast on this as well, is, is we talk about management relationship and training. You know, we could train a particular behavior, but it's going to take a long time and a lot of effort when, you know, a gate manages the situation beautifully. And the fact is, is I tell people, I said, you know, believe it or not, your dog does not actually have to meet everyone who comes to your front door. What? You know, <laughs> I had, my dogs don't you know, meet anyone who comes to the front door. Yeah, you, know, you can be in my office behind the gate with a chewy or you know a toy or doing something else. You don't have to help the guy repair the oven. In fact, right. I don't think you actually will be helpful to him. Believe it or not. Um, well, and and it's also not really honoring that guy. He's probably kind of uncomfortable about dogs. Yeah. Right, he's there to do his work. It's um. I think sometimes, yeah, there's this, so I talk about it in my group classes, like week four is when we start talking about management. Because if I try to talk about it week one, they're like, no, I'm taking a dog training class and I will be training my dog and it's going to be fun and exciting and 
then, you know, by week four, they're like, okay, talk to us about management because it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, you know, I, I oftentimes will come up with a management. So, and what happens with a good management solution as well? It is training. It is training. That's exactly yes. what I was going to say that, that in, in, it may not be, you know, clicking and treating for every, you know, no. modicum of behavior. But on the other hand, it really is training. If you're consistent and, right. and you're kind and it will work. And um, management can uh, really be your best friend. And I find it's particularly useful for families that have little kids because oftentimes one of the things that we really need to do is we need to manage not just the dog, but actually we have to manage some little people too. So gates and crates are really helpful because it gives the dog the, the time and the space it needs away from from prying fingers little prying fingers yeah and so right. it's, like it's, i don't know kids, both. kids break stuff kids get angry yeah. adults break stuff adults get angry like we spill stuff we break stuff like it we barf right like being having lots of options of that the dog knows how to do and is comfortable with for when they're not sure what to do with themselves is totally a win yes so, you know, I mean, I, I just think that, that one of the ways I can bless a family is to talk about, okay, if you think of the routines of your day, which are going to be different than the routines of my day to a certain extent, what are three to five different options on your dog's flow chart? And ideally, by the time your dog is an adult, you have maybe 10 options on the flow chart. But you know, for most families, the dog can go in a crate, the dog can be on a leash, maybe the dog can be in a fenced yard. There's right. three, right? I can add a tether in the house, that's four. I can add a gate, that's five. I can do a puppy playpen, that's six, right? So I can just have, a, a, if I teach the settle mat, woohoo, now I don't have equipment in the house, I just have a mat there. Right. So just, and, and thinking about educating their dog more in terms of, it makes the flow chart bigger. Right. Well, the other thing I also try to do is is say, okay, let's really prioritize what's important to you. Okay. Right. So one of the things is is I had um, I, actually it was my daughter's client. She um, she had somebody who said the the thing that is absolutely most important to me is that when somebody comes to the door, the dog goes to his mat. That's the one thing I want more than anything else. So that's what they worked on, and by golly, that dog. Anybody knocked, looked, I mean, if somebody looked at the front door, the dog ran basically to his mat and settled down. But, you know, it's, I also think it's important, too, to know where to focus your training. Where can we use a management solution? Because that's all I really need. And where is it that you really want to focus your training? Because it's important to you that you have a dog trained in that particular way. So with with them, it was go to my mat when somebody's at the door. And that's what they worked on. And they were happy as all get out because that was a really effective management tool for them. And so then she could also say at other times, go to your mat. And the dog would run and, and lay down on its mat. So for her, that was the single most important management or training tool she could have for her dog. She felt to keep it safe and keep her kids and everybody coming to her house safe. But for other but people, I really like sequencing, right? Like I like teaching people kind of that magic of giving the dog an environmental cue that gives them information what to do. 
right? So if you think about it with kids when they're little, um, we're strapping them into the car, we're putting the seatbelt on, we're doing all those pieces. But over time, get in the car includes sit in your seat, keep your hands to yourself, put your seatbelt on, right? Don't kick the seat. Like it starts to mean a bigger thing. Right. And honestly, my experience is that dogs figure that stuff out really quickly and are empowered by it. So right. um, if you if someone, when I had well-trained dogs, huh, yeah. um, when I had well-trained dogs, if somebody rang the doorbell or knocked, that was a signal to the dogs to go to their crate. Because right. you cannot actually, well, I mean, maybe you could answer the dog door with nine dogs behind you, but that's off-putting to some people. Yeah, so, well, not only so, off-putting, it can be downright scary, depending on the person. I think about our poor insurance salesman who couldn't handle our right. golden retriever. It was like, yes, I love dogs, and he's, you know, backed up against the corner, and it was just like, you know, it can be really intimidating. Well, you know, when you have nine, I don't have nine dogs anymore, but when you have nine dogs, surely something in that group is going to tag a breed group that worries people. I think yes. at the time I had two Doberman Pinschers and Terriers, like all the things, a Chihuahua, everything people are afraid of. So, you know, my evil horde. So, so I just taught them if someone knocks, right. if someone rings the doorbell, that means go to your crate. And it's funny. I don't answer the door right away. Like, if I was at the bathroom, you'd have to wait, like, because it's just some things can't be hurried. So I think sometimes families are like, well, if the doorbell rings, I must immediately answer it. And I'm like, you don't actually have to. You can let them wait while you stow the dog so that the dog isn't sneaking out the door and jumping on a guest. Or, or I mean, I work with a lot of really sensitive dogs that that's a dragon coming in the door. It's scary. Right. right. Very scary for them. So I think what, what we're boiling down to here when it comes to barking dogs is I think it's important to understand why we're barking. If there's a real yeah. reason for the barking, then that needs to be addressed. If there's a possum in the tree or a burglar in the backyard, you kind of want the dog to bark and let you know. And then you can take care of the situation. So figure out why we're barking. If we're talking about nuisance barking, and especially with an adolescent, one of the things you need to think about is, is um, okay, why are we barking? You know, is, is this, are you trying to get attention? Um, are you overly tired? I mean, it's one of these things that my sister who's an occupational therapist, we, the question we always ask is, have you had enough to eat? Have you had enough to sleep? Have you had enough exercise? One of the reasons you're barking that I can help you take care of. You know, maybe you do need a nap. Maybe you do need a snack. Maybe you really do need to get out and run around because it's been raining for two days and we haven't done that. So try and figure out the reason and, and address it. But also, too, it's okay to give your dog a bit of a time out when these things happen because maybe that's what he really needs to, to reset, that maybe we're overstimulated and we need some quiet time to Absolutely. reset. Absolutely, And, and I, think, I think helping them to understand... When we're saying, okay, that's, we're not actually doing that right now. Like that, that is not an right. appropriate answer on your flow chart in this particular moment. Right. Um, and I do think to a certain extent, like we're richly blessed that dogs divine it the great <laughs> majority of the time. <laughs> we're, we don't, we don't actually <laughs> teach it, but some dogs, probably the ones we view to be more problematic, perhaps need us to actually spell it out. Right. It's also important to understand that that alarm barking is really addictive. So I don't think you can wait your way through it usually. 
at least not in my experience. I don't think you can ignore barking long enough to get it to go away. Right. Right. I would agree. So it, it does have to be addressed in a certain way. But And I do sometimes just thank the dog and say, thank you. You're done. Yes, I do not too. Not any more of that. Like, thank you for doing your job that the trash can's in the wrong spot. I appreciate the feedback. Management has taken it under advisement. <laughs> Go do something else. Go chew on a bone. You know, it's right? funny, like, but how many times that actually works? When I when I just sort of address it, I say, thank you. I didn't know. Yes. I had no idea that that tree fell down in the woods, and I'm really grateful that you told me, and let's move on to something else. And I think sometimes it just, it's weird. I know it sounds odd, but sometimes I feel like they just need the acknowledgement. Yes, that it, that something was important to them. I mean, if you right. think about it, Suzanne Clothier, I got to see her a year ago now. Um, somebody I've wanted to, to go in mm-hmm. and see it at a seminar for a long time. I cannot highly enough recommend her. She's so much fun and smart, smart, smart lady. Yes. Um, but she talked about, like, that we're kind of dumb, right? Like, we, we go on a walk with our dog. We do not smell the petrified frog. We don't pay any attention to the deer poop. Like, we're idiots from, you know, a lot of perspectives. There are a lot of things that they perceive that we don't. And so I do wonder how much of it is the dog going, oh, my God, you're blind. How do you not see the squirrel? Yeah. <laughs> right? I do think sometimes the dogs are barking because there and there, there is something that we're not, it's not as important to us. And so right. we just don't, or we just don't perceive it. So yeah. I think thanking them. Like you're kind of your first barks free. <laughs> right. So I think that that is true. So, you know, start off with thanking your dog and you might be surprised. That might just be exactly what they need. So and tell them they're good. Like good, yeah, dog. good dog. Thank you for letting yeah. me know. I appreciate that. So, all right. Well, great, Tina. And we will see you all next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.